Chapter 11. The Second Match. The North team's manager stated loudly to his team before kickoff, Professionals, do not lose to amateurs. The match kicked off with the South team optimistic and full of energy. The North team, having been ridiculed by their manager, intensified their game. Alec was nursing a headache. He'd drunk far too much the day before. Luckily, last night he'd fallen asleep early, which made this day more bearable. John Greaves was not pleased at Harry's performance and bellowed, Harry, you're playing like a sack of potatoes. If you carry on like that, I'll sell you to the chip shop. And he muttered to Katie, I've no idea what's got into him. Katie knew full well what was wrong with Harry. He was still baked. The South team scored a try and the crowd roared jubilantly, which rippled around the stadium. Without mercy, beer and drinks spilled and flew. The South team's success was spectacularly unprecedented. After the try was scored, Harry had the opportunity to kick for two points. A conversion. He placed the ball in a small pile of mud, which held it upright. His face was white and hair knotted. The ball sailed wide from the posts. He's lost his will! What's got into him? said John Greaves, baffled. Katie had seen such a slump before. She remembered a guy called Jake, who was the captain of the university first-year football team. He'd pursue her in bars and nightclubs. His desire for her was magnetising, and he had a strong will to play her game. Katie prolonged his chase for a couple of terms. She enjoyed his attention and didn't want it to end. After Christmas of the first year, she didn't see him. She'd found out from his friends that he had dropped out from the team and spent his time shut within his room, smoking weed and playing video games. When the second year started, Katie asked for his whereabouts. She heard he had dropped out, which was a shame, because he was a grade A student. The North team scored a try and converted their two points with a kick. The two teams were now locked into a competitive stalemate, battling for control. Harry received the ball deep within his own half. His teammates were running ahead. Harry wanted to pass the ball, but he couldn't, because forward passes were not allowed. His brain froze. He couldn't make a decision. Prompted by the rapidly encroaching North team forwards, he ran, backwards. In desperation, his teammates cried, Harry! John Greaves couldn't believe what he was seeing. What is that daft brush doing? Katie couldn't believe it either. She'd never seen such a thing and had no answer. Harry learnt that it's not possible to run backwards faster than forwards. The largest North team player splattered him into the mud. The North team gained possession and quickly scored. Laid face down in the mud, Harry, holding his ankle, winced and yelped. Two unfit, chubby men, dressed as comedic elves, carrying a stretcher, ran onto the pitch. Don't worry, the elves have him. Maybe they will take him back to La La Land, said John Greaves. The elves carried Harry off the pitch. Katie, overwrought, ran to Harry. Harry, are you okay? Katie desperately asked. He fell on me and twisted my ankle. It's okay, it's not serious, but I can't run on it. Katie was relieved he wasn't badly hurt. John Greaves sighed and said, We can't play without a fly half. Don't we have any substitutes? asked Katie. John Greaves scratched his chin and said, No, now we need someone who is fast and fit, who is a warrior and hits with spite. Most importantly, we need someone who can kick. With his arms crossed, Wraith sat slumped in his chair. Alec nudged him with his elbow and shouted for everyone to hear, My mate can kick! No, no, definitely not. I'm a martial artist, not a rugby player, Wraith insisted. Jane and Alec asked the cheerleaders to add some friendly persuasive pressure, which stirred the crowd to chant, Hurry, hurry up, Wraith, we need our crazy head case! 
Rafe decided now was the time to barter. He asked John, If I play, what can we have in return? John Greaves shook his head and said, We're amateurs. No pay here, mate. It's just for the love of it. We need entrance to the finale. Can you help us with that? John Greaves scratched his head and said, Well, if you win the whole match, the whole team is given VIP tickets to that event. I won't go, so you can have mine too. They were 50-15 down. It would take at least five tries and five kicked conversions to level the points. Wraith accepted the challenge. He swapped his tunic for a pink, thick cotton jersey and tight black shorts. He waited on the touchline for Katie, the assistant manager, to call the referee. Katie stood by his side and looked him up and down. She pinched the material on his arm and said, Tight fit. It suits you. Wraith wasn't overjoyed about playing in the game, and like Katie, raised his eyebrow and said, You'd better get me on. We haven't much time. Wraith's presence was immediately noticed. He made creative runs, sidestepped players with ease, and his immense kicking ability changed the game. John Greaves, for the first time in either of the matches, was happy. Who'd have thought it? The karate man can play, he said with a growling chuckle. The South team clawed some points back, but even with Wraith's presence, they struggled to win control. John Greaves felt Katie's agitation and gruffly said, You like winning, don't you? Yes, if I put my energy into something, I want to see a return. I like winning too. The problem is, managers can't play for the team. The players have to do it. That's the frustration of watching from the sidelines. You can clearly see the mistakes, but getting players to play as a team is another matter. I hate being in a team. I never fit in. That's news to me. You've been nothing but a team player here. This is new to me. Here, people seem to like me. Just fitting in makes you invisible. A team needs individuals who are leaders, grafters and playmakers. Everyone has a bespoke role. Look at the North team. Do any of them play exactly the same? No. And that's why they're always chasing the game. The North are great individuals playing as a team. What if you don't know how to play your role? You learn from those that do. You mean, find role models? Yes, of course. You never really learn from just one. You must find a few and take from them what works for you. That's how you learn about yourself. Sport helps unlock your inner workings. It seems, Katie, you've never played in the right team. Katie thought back to her school days. She never felt accepted. After her mum died, she'd lost her protective shield and felt vulnerable. She was too grief-stricken to defend herself from opportunistic bullies, so she cut her hair short to become invisible. Her mother was her only role model and best friend. Katie said, We need to find role models for our players. They need to be taught how to win. Hmm, this team haven't won in a hundred seasons. I think we're short of those, John replied. We can learn from the past. They need to know their team's history. When I watch rugby, the commentators, fans and players always waffle on about their proud history. The South team needs to know theirs. John Greaves understood Katie's point, but he preferred to cover up the South team's past. But she persuaded him to unearth it. She hurried over to Alec and Jane, who were available. She asked them to go and find ex-players who must be in the crowd watching. The match drew to an end, finishing 55-30. With help from Wraith, the South had made an impressive fight back. The campfire crackled and snapped, wholesome food but no mind-changing drinks were passed around. John Greaves gave a short speech and suggested that some players should switch to soccer as they didn't look like rugby players. Katie was very eager to give her speech. 
she had grown in confidence from the day before. She spoke for a while and followed the poo sandwich structure and finished with a positive finish. To her dismay, the player's mood had not changed. The younger players were keen to take on the final match, but the older players, who were weathered from previous defeats, looked unmoved. Alec tapped Katie on the shoulder and Jane fluttered and whispered in her ear, We found plenty of ex-players. It seems once retired, they keep active by drinking and watching it. Where the firelight did not reach, stood huddled two teams worth of ex-players. Katie said to Alec and Jane, You've been busy. Well done. Katie said as the last game was coming up, a special game of touch, technical rugby, was to be organised, and then she introduced the ex-players. The ex-players swamped the campsite. The South team were surprised and overjoyed to meet them. The older players recognised some of their childhood heroes. Lit by fiery torches, small matches of touch rugby played all around the campfire. The matches would often stop and ex-players would share tactics and give advice on improvements. The training session eventually finished and transitioned into small groups of casual conversations dotted all around the campsite. Katie strolled around and listened quietly on the peripherals of each group. She learned that her players enjoyed asking the ex-players questions. Once they discovered something new, they would say, Ah, I see. Even though Katie had told them this before, it seemed to be more profound when their role models said it. Katie also learned a common narrative, which was, the South team enjoyed being the underdog. They choked when they were ahead on points. This was the key, she thought. She had to make her team comfortable with being in the lead. The sun shone over the valley floor. The day of the match had arrived. Katie searched the campsite but could not find anyone. She wondered, am I late? Did they leave without me? Then she heard distant loud cries. She followed the cries until she stood overlooking a mountain lake. The lake's clear water mirrored the beautiful blue sky, giving the effect that white sponge clouds floated on its surface. At the water's edge, Wraith stood knee-height, overlooking the mountain's white snow-covered tops. He assembled most of the team in rows facing him. Wraith circled his hands in a slow, passive motion, and suddenly, without warning, he made a fast strike. Wraith was teaching the team kung fu forms, and he had done a good job too, as even the heavy cumbersome players moved gracefully. Katie noticed Alec was further along the lake, knee-deep in water, and intensely talking to a group of players. Jane flew and skimmed across the lake surface and rose ever so slightly. From its watery world, a giant salmon leapt to catch Jane. Katie gasped in shock. The salmon seemed close to catching her, but with cat-like reflexes, Alec leapt and grabbed the thick, juicy fish with both hands. After a splash, he emerged from the water, swishing his hair like Chesney Hawks, and said, There, one salmon to go. Alec and Jane were working together to encourage the South team players to leap for salmon, "'Switch!' shouted Wraith. Wraith's group of martial arts practitioners changed to learn salmon-grabbing, and Alec's group changed to learn martial arts. Worried for Jane's safety, Katie stood anxiously on the bank's freshly mowed grassy edge. Deeply concerned, she said, "'Jane, remember Dave's mouth? You could be swallowed!' "'It's fine! This is a fairy tradition! I don't fit in their mouth anyway, such silly fish!' Undetected, John Greaves walked up behind Katie and she jumped when he said, Hello, Katie. Are you enjoying this madness? There's a method in it, Katie said, composing herself quickly. Seems like a Mad Hatter's party to me. Yes, but without the tea. John Greaves smirked and watched patiently with Katie. 
She had learnt that John Greaves liked short wit. He spoke with dry humour to hear plain speaking. There was a method in his madness too. They both watched a South team player crouch ready to jump. His belly hung over his tight shorts. This prop was heavily built, with a little fat as cushioning. A silver salmon leapt from the water, which prompted the prop to sail his heavy form over the clear watery surface. He stretched his arms out, and for a moment he looked swan-like. He caught the slippery salmon, and belly flopped into the water, splashing everyone, including John Greaves. On that note, Katie, I'll leave you to carry on watching silly big bears fish. I'm going to have salmon and eggs for breakfast. Carrying a jersey, he walked over to the prop and said, Well done. Now place the fish in here. Your coach is hungry. That's my top, the prop remarked. I know. Who's going to tackle you when it's stinking of fish? It's okay. You can thank me later.